0: I want to ask you to go in your Bible to Psalm uh, Psalm 78 this morning. Psalm 78 and verse 19. And as you find that, I want to just mention to you, because I guess some of you might be wondering, Pastor, how long are we going to be in the drive-in church? And the answer is I don't exactly know how long. The governor of Texas will be making some more announcements on Monday. We'll see what that looks like for us. But currently, uh, the guidelines for churches in the state of Texas limit us to about 25% of our capacity in the sanctuary uh, and also uh, limits us to not having child care or children's ministry and it also limits the attendance of those who are 65 and older and vulnerable. So I think as long as that is, those particular things are in place, that's not really the best option for us as a church. We'd like to come to worship God together and to be in the presence of the Lord together. And I would ask any mom out there, if you had to choose only 25% of your family, To come home for Christmas dinner, who would you pick? You'd have a hard time doing that, wouldn't you, Mom? Well, that's the same problem we have here. Very hard to decide who can come and who cannot come to church. So I think for the time being, we'll see what happens tomorrow. But we'll continue to gather in this setting so that everyone who likes to come and wants to come can come and worship and hear the Word of God and uh, we can be together as a body of Christ without having to turn anyone away. We continue Amen. We continue to pray for deliverance for our nation. We are not only in need of a deliverance from this virus but also in a an economic need of deliverance as a nation. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to speak to you about the supernatural provision of God. Every single one of you, without a doubt, I believe without any single exception, every single one of you has experienced the supernatural provision of God. And that is a reality that you and I experience because we are members of the body of Christ, because we are in covenant with God. I want to share with you this morning from the topic or the subject, the table in the wilderness. Our God is so strong and so faithful that he is able to provide even in hard times. Even in the wilderness of life. Even in the hard seasons. He is a constant provider. And many times in those difficult seasons, we see the supernatural provision of God. We see God provide by means that are outside of human control. Supernatural provision is different from natural provision. Many of you have a job and pay your bills through the natural provision of a paycheck. You work hours, you get paid and compensated for those hours. And so long as you have a job, you have provision. Supernatural provision is provision that comes from no human source. It doesn't come from our ability to work or gain a wage. Supernatural provision comes from the hand of the Almighty. It is the blessing and the providence of God for all of his children to experience His supernatural provision. Now that doesn't mean that you and I don't need a job. The Bible says that he who does not provide for his own family is worse than an infidel. That means you are worse than an unbeliever if you don't provide for your own family. But when you can't provide, when the resources that you have are limited, there is a God who makes not only ends meet, but a God who overwhelms our need with abundance. And that is the God of heaven, the God of the Bible, and the God who I preach to you this morning. So Psalm 78 and verse 19, the scripture says, Then they spoke against God, and they said, Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck the rock with water, The rock with waters and waters gushed out and streams were overflowing. Can he give bread also? Will he provide meat to his people? This question came because of the unbelief of the nation of Israel. And although they asked it in a negative sense this morning, I want us to ask it in a positive sense and recognize that God can provide a table in the wilderness. I want you to say that with me this morning. God can provide a table in the wilderness. Say it again. God can provide a table in the wilderness. Let's say one more time. God will provide a table in the wilderness. If you believe that, say amen. Father, we come to the to the word this morning because it is our life. I ask you to speak through these lips of clay That you would encourage the heart of every hearer and that you would allow us to reflect upon the word of God which is able to save us not only from sin but also from lack. And we ask that in Jesus' name and the people said amen. The people of Israel journeyed through the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years in the wilderness was a long time in which... They went through a season of scarcity, uh, as you and I might imagine. The Bible tells us that they became grumpy. They became a grumbling people. Just like perhaps many people today are starting to grumble and become weary of the current situation that the world finds itself in. But I just want to encourage you that Rather than becoming grumpy and and beginning to grumble, that you start to look to heaven and to trust in God. And rather than complain, uh, lift your voice to heaven and ask God for the things that you need. These people asked a question in the wilderness. They said, can God provide a table in the wilderness? In other words, is God really able to give us food In our famine, is God really able to meet our needs in the middle of trouble? This question is in the hearts of many people this morning. But those of you and I who have experienced the supernatural provision of God, we know the answer to this question. We know that God can and that God does and that God will provide in every season of our life. And that God is able to meet every single one of our needs as we call upon him. Now I want to go over three reasons or three ways that the nation of Israel missed uh, the mark as they asked this question. First of all, they missed the mark and uh, they, they missed out on an opportunity to see the goodness of God because they were looking for someone to blame. Now I told you last week... That when we get into trouble, we often look for someone to blame. And our world is just wired that way. That's been true since the fall of Adam and Eve. When God came into the garden of Eden and he said to Adam, "Adam, where are you?" and Adam said, "We were hiding because we were afraid and and because we were naked." And the Lord said, "Who told you you were naked?" And Adam said, "Well, we ate the fruit and, uh, and God inquired about that and Adam said, the woman that you gave me. Right there from the beginning of the fall, Adam began to blame Eve and he began, began to blame God for giving him Eve. So that is the nature of man. Here you have the nation of Israel. They're blaming God. They're blaming Moses. And uh, many people today are still looking for people to blame. Some people say, well, if I had a better job, I'd be happy. If I had a different spouse, I'd be happy. If I had a different church or a different preacher, I'd be happy. If I had a different kids, I'd be happy. They're looking always for somebody to make responsible for what they lack in their life. Can I tell you, friend, that rather than looking for someone to blame, When you are finding yourself in need, it is a good opportunity to say, God, what needs to grow in me? What needs to change in my life? How can I come up? How can I go to a new level and to the next level in my life? They were in the midst of chaos. They were in the midst of a a desert, in the midst of a wilderness, and yet there in that place, God was able to sustain them. And God will also sustain you. And rather than looking for someone to blame, look for a God in whom you can trust. Look to the God who says, I am your source. I am your supply. I am the one in whom you can place all of your confidence and all of your hope. The second way that Israel missed it was that they had a problem perspective rather than a promise perspective. Let me ask you this morning. Do you have a problem perspective or do you have a promise perspective? Some people like the nation of Israel can only see the problem. They could only see the desert. They could only see the famine. They could only see the need. Friend, when you have that perspective, the only result uh, that you could possibly have in that is discouragement, anxiety, and fear. When you look at what you don't have, when you look at how you can't uh, make ends meet or how you might get laid off or how, how you may not be able to find a job or how you might lose the car or how you might lose the house. You are looking at the problem and this morning I want to encourage you to stop looking at the problem and start looking to the promise. They did not have as you and I should have a promise perspective. The promise perspective looks above the problem. And it looks to the God who rides above all things. The God who is in control of all things. And when you look at the Bible, you read in the Bible more than 7,000 promises from God to you. 7,000 commitments that God has made to each and every one of his children. Let me just read a few of them to you this morning. And there are 7,000 of them, so I'm not going to read 7,000 promises to you this morning. But I am going to read a few that God gives us concerning times of trouble and times of famine. And drop these down if you can. They'll be useful to you in your time of prayer and in study. Psalm 37 and verse 18. It says, The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their inheritance will be forever. Forever. Notice, first of all, that God knows your days. He knows what you're going through right now. He knows where America is today. He knows where your family is right now. He knows your financial situation. He knows your bank account balance. He knows. Everybody say that. God knows. And listen, if God knows, then you don't have to worry too much because the God who knows also cares. And the God who cares will meet your needs. Amen, somebody. God knows, verse 19, it says, They will not be ashamed in the time of trouble. And in the day of famine, they will have abundance. Listen, we're living in a time of trouble. A, a, a worldwide time of trouble. But what is God's promise to you? He says you will not be ashamed in the time of trouble. When trouble is on the earth, God's people will hold up their head and know that their God is their source. Come on somebody. You don't have to be ashamed and you won't be put to shame. You're going to see God's provision. You're going to see God's supernatural abundance. He says in the days of famine you will have Abundance. I want you to say that with me. In the days of famine, I will have abundance. That is God's promise to you. Job chapter 5 and verse 20. It says in famine, he will redeem you from death. And in the battle, he will dele- deliver you from the stroke of the sword. Psalm 33 verse 19. It says he will deliver you from death and keep you alive in famine. Psalm 37. Verse 39, the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 through 8. Blessed is he, uh, blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord and whose trust is in God. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its root by a stream. And it will not fear when heat comes. Tell me, somebody, is the heat on right now? Yes, the heat is on in America. The heat is on in the world. The heat is on in the health crisis. The heat is on in the financial crisis. But guess what? God says, my children will not be anxious when heat comes because I am their source. Come on, somebody. He says, his leaf will be green, and he will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor cease to to yield Fruit. Listen, I know that this year has turned out to be a difficult year. It's been a long year already. It's barely May, hasn't it? I heard, I read this week about how the Pentagon released uh, some footage about uh, some unidentified, unidentified flying objects. And I thought, you know what? Why not? We already have one of the toughest years in American history. Why not throw in aliens too, right? It's just the kitchen sink right now. Everything is coming down on us. But can I tell you what? I'm not anxious, and you shouldn't be anxious either. Because he says you will not be anxious in the year of drought. Come on. Doesn't matter how dry the year gets, God is in control. Come on, somebody. And he will see you. He will see you through. He says and you will yield fruit in every year, every season. What's happening right now, a lot of people are thinking about 2008 and they're thinking about that financial crisis and they're thinking about whether or not it's gonna affect, this is gonna be the same or worse. Can I tell you what, you have, if you do that, you're having a problem perspective. Put your eyes on God. Trust in God. Listen to His voice and He will lead you through. Every year and every season of your life, you have the Almighty God as your Father and you can have confidence in Him. Say amen somebody. Here's the third reason that Israel missed it. They limited God. Now you say, Pastor, how can anyone limit God? How can an a, a all-powerful, and all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent God be limited? Well, that's a good question. But you read right there in Psalm 78, verse 41, it says again and again, they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. How did they limit God? Well, if you're a good Bible student, you'll answer that question by reading the text. So let's read the text for just a minute, and you'll see how this people limited God. And the question for us today is, is there any way in which we are limiting God right now? And if there is, then we will repent of it. Say amen, somebody. And if there is anything that is limiting God in our life, naturally, we want it out of our life and out of our thinking because there is no, we we cannot afford to limit God right now especially in this season of our life. How did they limit God? Verse 10 of chapter 78 of Psalms, Psalm 78 verse 10, it says they did not keep the covenant of God. They limited God by not entering into covenant with him and by not keeping their covenant. Listen, there is a covenant that you and I have entered in with God. We've entered into a covenant by faith. And you and I, when we walk with God by faith, we're in covenant with God. This people broke their covenant with God by not obeying God. According to the old covenant, their covenant was based on obedience. Our covenant is based on faith. They disobeyed God, therefore they limited Him. And you and I, if we do not walk by faith, we will be limiting God as well. When you and I enter into covenant with God in our tithes and in our offering, we are entering into a covenant of blessing with God. You say, Pastor, how does breaking a covenant limit God? Well, it's simple. When you and I... Do not have a covenant with God. We cannot enjoy the blessings of the covenant. And so that limits God's ability to bless your life. But when you and I come into covenant with God. Then you and I are able to receive the blessings of the covenant of God in our life. And that doesn't depend on seasons. Or it doesn't depend on the financial circumstances of the nation. Listen. Our economy is not based upon the economy of the nation. Our economy is based on the economy of heaven. And that is a covenant economy. Say amen somebody. So if you want want to go up. And you want to go above, you have to be in covenant with God. Number two, they limited God in verse 11. The Bible says there in verse 11 that they forgot his deeds and his miracles that he had shown them. They forgot their testimony. They forgot what God had done in their life. Do You realize that when you and I forget, we limit God. Because a forgetful people is an ungrateful people. The Bible tells us that ingratitude will be one of the signs of the last days. And there is a tremendous amount of ingratitude in our days to be sure. But ingratitude closes the door of favor in your life. How many of you want the favor of God? How many of you need the favor of God? You know the favor of God can open doors that you can't open. But you and I, will walk in the favor of God when we keep a grateful spirit. Rather than complaining, rather than, than saying, well, why me? Why now? Why this? Rather than saying, I'll never make it. My family never gets ahead. You need to say, God, I thank you because I'm blessed. I'm blessing the city and I'm blessing the field. I thank you because I'm going up and not going under. I'm going up and I'm not going down. Come on, somebody. And when you thank God, when you show gratitude to the living God, you you receive the favor of God over your life. The Bible says that Jonah was in the belly of that fish and he had been there for 3 days and the bible said he started thanking god and when he thanked god he was he was delivered from the belly of that fish come on somebody do you have something to thank god about that is where you and i can find the favor of god when you and i begin to worship him and to thank him they forgot his deeds verse 17 it says that they continued in their sin they continue to sin against him and to rebel against the holy the holy one of Israel you realize friend that when you and i sin against god we limit god sin always will limit god in your life because sin separates you and i from god and sin is separating hundreds of thousands of souls from god today And sin will separate you from God if you're not careful. So you need to be on guard against sin and against the habits of sin. The Bible said they continued to sin against God. They did not seem to have any remorse for their sin. And so they blocked the blessing of God from their life. Verse 22, the Bible says, because they did not believe God. They limited God by their unbelief. They limited God by not walking in. In faith. Do you realize how powerful your faith is? I told you last week that you have a powerful faith. The kind of faith that can move mountains. The kind of faith that can uproot a tree. And plant it into the depths of the sea. The Bible there is talking about the root and the tree of bitterness. That can be uprooted from your life by faith in God. But you see friend when we don't walk in faith. When we walk in unbelief. When we walk in doubt and in fear, then we block the blessing of God in our life. Faith opens a door. Unbelief closes the door. They did not believe God. Do you believe God this morning? I know you do. Come on somebody, you and I are here. We're still standing today because we have faith in God and that faith is able to move a mountain. Jesus said, if you will believe, you will say to that mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and it will be done according to your word. The Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. But with faith, you and I can enter into the hall of faith and enter in with all of the saints of old who have accomplished great exploits for God by faith. What does the Bible say in Hebrews 11? By faith. By faith Noah, by faith Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Abraham, by faith Joshua, by faith Moses. They did it by faith. And if you and I want to live in victory, if we want to conquer in this life, we're going to have to do it by faith. Everything we receive from God, we receive by faith. So get into faith and stay into faith no matter what challenges come against your life this week. Face them, not with fear, but with faith in the Almighty God. Then in verse 33, the Bible tells us, "But But they will not. So they brought their days to an end in futility and their years in sudden terror. Now we see another reason why they were limiting God was that they lived their years in futility. What is futility? Futility is vanity. Living your life outside of the purpose of God. Let me just help you to understand and get you to to join me in understanding this this morning. When you and I live for any purpose other than the purpose of God for our life, we are limiting God. I can guarantee you that there are people who are called by God to preach but they have not fulfilled their purpose and so they're limiting God by not walking in their purpose. They're not walking in the thing that God called them to live in. They're living in futility. Now, not everyone is called to preach. Some are called to teach. Some are called to lead worship. Others are called to uh, the, the marketplace, to be in business, to be medical doctors, to be lawyers. But you see, whatever God's call and purpose is on your life, that is what God will bless. And God will not bless anything but his purpose in your life. So if you want to experience the unlimited blessing of God, then you need to walk according to the purpose of God of your life. That means you and I need to be about the Father's business we need to be about winning the lost about winning people to Christ about letting people know that there is a God who saves and that means that we need to be doing the things that please the heart of God and that you and I by doing that are entering into our purpose with God listen if you are if you're unmarried and you are dating somebody that is called to the ministry let me just give you a little advice all right Listen to your pastor for just a minute. If you are unmarried and you are dating someone with a call of God on their life or you have a call of God on your life, then I want you to be very sure that you enter into that marriage knowing that you're going to pursue the purpose of God. You see, there are some people that think, you know, this ministry thing, it's just a little... That's just a fad. It's just a phase. My boyfriend will get over it when I get married. And uh, he'll forget all about it. And he'll go and get a real job. And go do a real career. And you think that. And he might actually forget all about it. But God will not. And God's purpose on his life or her life will remain until the day they die. So if there's a call of God on your life. and you And you know it. You need to pursue it with all of your might. Because that is what God will bless. That is what God will increase. And that is what God will cause to grow. They lived their days in futility. They lived for the temporal pursuits rather than the divine agenda. They lived for the, for the now rather than the eternal. And so they limited God. Verse 36. It tells us that they made false vows to God. Listen to what it says. It says there in verse 36. They deceived him with their mouth. And they lied to him with their tongues. I want to just mention something about vows this morning. Because it's possible that you are limiting God with the use of your mouth. And if that's the case. Then we want to correct that this morning. So that you can take every limit off of God's supernatural provision for your life. First of all in the context. They made vows to God, saying, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to do this, that, or the other. And then they broke their vow to God. Now, the Bible tells us that it is if a man makes a vow to God and he breaks it, that it's a sin. But it's not a sin not to make a vow. So, in other words, it's better not to make a promise than to make a promise and break it. And it is especially true concerning the commitments we make to God. So it's far better to say, Lord, I am going to serve you all the days of my life as you give me the grace to do it. And you depend on God's ability to do the thing that you desire to do rather than your own ability to fulfill that particular vow. When I was a little boy, I was about nine years old. I used to hear people saying, to, to God, God, if you'll heal my sick mom, I'll preach the gospel. If you will, if you will heal my sick dad, I will give uh, this much money to the church. When I was nine years old, sitting alone in my bedroom, I sat with God and I said, Lord, I'm taking all of that off the table right now, and I'm telling you that my whole life belongs to you. You can do with me whatever you will. There is no negotiation. I I made a complete and total commitment to all that I was to God. And that is my commitment for life. But you see, friend, when you make a vow to God and you say, God, I'm going to give $1,000 if you do this and then uh, you don't do it. The Bible says you've sinned against God. What's better than all of that is to simply do the things that God commands you to do. And rather than make promises, live out your Christian life in complete and total devotion to God. That as you do so, you might experience His blessing in your life. There's another way that we make vows that are limiting to God. The Bible says that a man should not swear by God or by heaven or by even over his own head. That means God does not want you to make a vow. Many times, people make what's called an inner vow. And an inner vow is a statement which you make to yourself, a promise, as it were, which you make to yourself. For instance, a man whose whose parents were uh, poor when he was growing up and he never got to eat any meat, he made a vow to himself saying, when I grow up, I will never not have meat on my table. I'll always have a steak when I want one. Or perhaps a lady that was abused by her husband will say no one will ever treat me like that again. And they make vows to themselves. And they make themselves lord of the situation. They put themselves in charge of that matter. When you do that, you remove God from being in control of that situation. And it is no longer Depending on God's grace, it's now depending on your own strength and on your own ability. So rather than say, no one will ever treat me like that again. You just walk on in faith and say, God, I trust you for every day of my life. And I depend on your grace for every day of my life. They broke their vows to God. And so they limited the Lord. Let me just mention one more thing regarding that. And it comes down basically to this. That they limited God by their words. In, in this particular sense, they limited God by making promises that they didn't keep to him. But in a greater sense, they limited God by, by using their words against God. What kinds of words should you use? What kind of response should you have to life's challenges? You should fill your mouth With the word of God. Fill your mouth with the words of scripture. These verses I've read to you this morning. Ought to be a part of your memory. They ought to be something that you work with every single day. And when a challenge comes up against you, when the enemy tries to shame you, you say, I will not be ashamed in the day of trouble. And in the mil- in the day of famine, I will have abundance. And you proclaim the word of God over your life. Why? Because it is God's word and God's word alone that has that eternal power to make a difference in your life. Finally, verse 58 It says they turned to idolatry. They made gods of human making. And naturally, this limited God. Are you limiting God in any way this morning? Is there anything in your heart, in your mind, in your thinking, in your perspective that has limited the God of heaven? I want to encourage you this morning to repent of it. So that you can have the complete an unlimited blessing of God in your life. Maybe you've been complaining a lot about this season that we're in. Maybe your voice and your mouth have been displeasing to the Lord. And today, God says, stop limiting me by using negative speech and negative words and by entertaining negative thoughts. Stop limiting me by putting your trust in yourself and declare your faith in me. Confess my word over your family. Confess my word over yourself because that will unlimit me and give you full access to my blessing in your life. These people ask, can God set a table in the wilderness? Can God provide supernaturally for me? If that is your question this morning, I want to encourage you with the answer. The answer is simple. The answer is three simple letters Y, E, S. Can God set a table in the wilderness? Yes. Can God meet your need? Yes. Can God overwhelm you with abundance? Yes. Can God deliver you out of the day of famine? Yes. Will He? Yes. Because He is your Father and because you are in covenant with Him. Come on, somebody ought to give God praise because His answer to you is yes and amen. And if there's any way in which you've been living in God... Let's repent of it this morning. Let's lay it on the altar so that we will not limit him in any single way in our life or for the life of our family. The Bible tells us that God sent Israel manna from heaven, bread from heaven, six days a week for 40 years. Some scientists, some uh, scholars have told us that that would be the equivalent of more than 20 18-wheelers full of bread every single day for the nation of Israel. Can God? Can God? Yes, he can. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, he said to them, I took you into the wilderness to show you what was in your heart. And I allowed you to suffer hunger so that you would know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Listen, friend, you have a God who is good. For his word. And this morning you and I have received the uncompromised truth of the scriptures. And that word will not fail. It cannot fail. God can and God will supernaturally supply every single one of the needs of his children. I've shared this story with you before. But I'll share it today to remind you of the power of God. In the 1800s, there was a faith missionary by the name of George Mueller. He ran an orphanage in the United Kingdom. On a particular day, he had a 100 orphans in his care. And Brother Mueller did not have any food to give them that day. 100 orphans, no food. Sounds like a day of trouble. The heat was on. At dinner time he called them all in to the dining room. They sat down at their tables. He said, "Everyone close your eyes and fold your hands. We're going to pray. And we're going to give thanks." I imagine his staff had one eye open wondering, "Thanks for what? There's no food." And Brother Mueller began to pray. And he began to give thanks. And he said, Father, I thank you because you always hear us. We thank you for this meal that you have provided. The, the, The journal of Brother Mueller tells us that before he said amen, there was a knock at the door. They opened the door and it was the baker. And the baker said, Brother Mueller, We baked too much bread today and didn't sell it. Can you use the bread? So they brought in the bread. And when they closed the door to the baker, there was another knock at the door. This time it was the milkman. And the milkman said, Brother Mueller, my milk truck is is stuck in the mud. I can't get it out until the morning. He said, If we don't drink this milk tonight, it's going to spoil. Can you use the milk? And they brought in the milk. And when the milkman left, there was another knock at the door. And this time it was the butcher. And the butcher said, Brother Mueller, when I was about to close the shop, the Holy Spirit of God said to me, take some meat over to Mueller so that he can feed those orphans. And that night they ate a table in the middle of the wilderness. Because God can. Come on, somebody. God can. And God does. And God will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our God is able to provide the table in the wilderness. Right where you are, just bow your head. And just say, Lord, if I have limited you in any way, I lay it down right now. I repent of it because I want to receive your unlimited provision all the days of my life. And now I want you to raise your hands and just receive the blessings of heaven for your family, for your children. The Lord knows the days of the righteous and he knows their inheritance too. Come on somebody, receive the glorious presence of God.